Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, welcome to The Rock of Gainesville. We are glad you're here today. So glad you are here in the auditorium, or if you're joining us online, we say hello to you. Welcome to The Rock in that particular manner. Whatever manner you are here today, we are glad you're here. Amen? Amen. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm glad you're here. Now, say it like you mean it. I mean, you know, no, no shucking and jiving here. Say it like you mean it. Yeah. All right. And thank you, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, for the opportunity to share the word again today. I'm going to pick up where I left off a couple of weeks ago uh, and kind of go a little bit further into this and specifically zero in on one thing that I think will help us understand how to stand strong in the battle. We talked two weeks ago about standing strong. Everybody say strong. strong. Come on, say it like you mean it, strong. strong. Say it like you're Southern, strong. strong. Staying strong in the battle. Not weak, not barely getting by by the skin of your teeth, not tying a knot in the end of your rope and hoping to hang on. I don't believe that's kingdom, come on. I don't believe that's kingdom. Now sometimes we feel that way, I get that. There are times in our life where it's tough and I feel like I am just barely getting by. But I'm not. You want to know why you are not just barely getting by? Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Amen. So you're not just barely getting by. You may feel like that sometimes, and I understand, but I want to teach us, help us, show us how to stand strong in the battle. I gave you a scripture two weeks ago from Romans chapter 5, and that's where I want to pick up, and it will, it will really pull out the one thought that I want to focus on as we get into this this morning. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into his, this grace, which we now stand. How many of you are thankful today you're standing by his grace and not yours? Amen. I'm not standing by my grace. Man, I'm standing on my grace. I'm standing on sinking sand. Come on, somebody. Yeah. I'm not standing on my grace, I'm standing on His grace. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. That's where we're gonna camp out today. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And I love this phrase right here. Look at it, it's real close. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope, hope's not, God's not going to embarrass me, guys. God's not going to humiliate me. I'm not going to be put to shame. God is going to see me and you through the battle and cause us to be trophies in his kingdom. Not allowing us to be put to shame and humiliated. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we're going to camp out with this concept of hope, the foundation of standing strong in the battle. Hope does not put us to shame. Now, I told you a couple of weeks ago, we don't like talking about battles. I get that. We certainly don't like going through them. But we also understand that battles are a part of God's will. They are a part of God's developmental process 
in you. James made it very clear that we go through the testing of our faith, the trying of our faith. So it's a part of what God wants to do in us to make us bigger, better, and stronger. It's part of his developmental process. And so what we want to look at is what does the battle develop through the principle of hope. Now, I want to show you something that I kind of put together that I call the hope cycle. And the foundation of everything springs from my ability to hope in God. Why? Hope does not put me to shame. So the foundation of me being able to know that I'm, I'm in a battle, I'm going through a battle, I'm coming out of a battle, is the foundation of I can have hope in God because I'm in the battle right now, but it's just a season, baby. It's just a season. I'm gonna go through this thing and come out shining on the other side. Come on, somebody, and say, oh yeah, PR. I'm gonna come out on the other side, but the foundation is my ability to have hope and hope in God. But I know that just as I get settled in really well, coming behind that is some adversity, some suffering, some problems. My friend Jack Taylor, who just passed away not long ago, said you're either in a battle, going through a battle, or coming out of a battle. That's just life in this thing called Christianity. So we've got hope, and I've got hope, my hope in God, but I'm going to go through the adversity. But as I go through that adversity, I'm settling in, because come on now, you're not going to quit. Say it out loud. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to persevere. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not giving up. I'm going to persevere. And as I persevere, God's going to develop character in you. He's going to develop strength and fortitude and integrity. He's going to develop character in you. And then I'm going to have my hope built back up. And then what? And you know what, guys? That cycle is never, ever going to end in your life. And here's, here's what you got to get. I don't want it to end in my life. I don't want it to quit. Nine times in the book of Judges alone, this cycle took place. Israel was hoping in God. They were going through suffering. They were persevering. And God was developing character in them. Nine times in the book of Judges alone, this hope cycle takes place. And you want it to continue in your life. I want it to continue in my life because what is God doing? He's growing us up. Come on now. He's growing us up. And I'm going to prove that to you in just a few minutes. But the foundation of all of this is my ability to hope in the glory of God. Now, let me ask you a question. What does hope do in my life and your life? Write it down. Number one, here it is. Hope starts with God's character. It begins with God's character. I quoted it to you, or I read it to you actually, a few minutes ago that I have hope in the glory of God. Hope begins with the character of God that is alive in you. I am a, you are a partaker of his divine nature. I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. If it be so that I suffer with him, we will also be glorified together for the sufferings of this life shall in no way be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in you. Somebody ought to join Pastor Jamie and clap. (laughs) 
I'm an heir of God, man. You're an heir of God. I join heir with Jesus. And so the character of God does something really phenomenal in your life and my life as it creates that ability to continue to hope. Now, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Through him, we have gained access by faith into this grace, which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, the character of God in us. Now, how does God's character work in you as you are in the battle? Let me show you Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 is a real interesting passage of Scripture, and the context of it is this. Paul is kind of at the end of his life. He's wrapping up his third missionary journey. He had three of them. He's wrapping up the third, and he's in a place to where he wants to go back to Jerusalem and preach. That was Paul's spiritual bucket list. He always wanted to go back to Jerusalem and preach, knowing knowing that if he did that, it just might be the end of his life. He might go in there into Jerusalem to preach, and Felix, the governor, is waiting for him at the border. And when he crosses in, he's either going to jail, he's going to face hardship, or his head's coming off. How many of you know that'll mess up your day? Come on now. But it's on his bucket list to go back to Jerusalem and preach. And so that's kind of what the context of the Scripture is. Now, let's look and see what the character of God does in Paul as he hopes in his opportunity to go back to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Look at this. And now, compelled by the Spirit. There's the character of God at work already. I'm going back to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Here we go. Look at the character of God. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I told you last week or two weeks ago, guys, the battle's not just about you. The battle's about the kingdom of God. The battle is about you and the people that are around you. My life worth nothing. My only own, look at the character of God. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the character of God alive and well, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Look at what God's character is doing in him. I'm going into a place that literally could be the end of my life does not matter because it's not about me. It's about testifying of the goodness of God. It's about testifying of how great he is. Now, how does, how does the character of God work when we're finding ourselves in that battle? Number one, write it down. Here it is. God's character creates the Spirit's prompting. God's character creates the Spirit's prompting. Verse 22, it says, I am compelled by the Spirit. How many of you know Paul wasn't being compelled by his emotions? Come on, somebody. He wasn't being compelled by his emotions. His feelings weren't telling him to go back to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, his emotions and his feelings probably would tell him to not go, correct? Probably say, you know, Paul, you may want to rethink that, baby. You may want to kind of just sit down on that and let that microwave or, or marinate a little bit. <laughs> I don't cook very much. 
You may just kind of want to sit on that. That's what his emotions or his feelings would say. But look at what the Spirit is saying. The Spirit is saying, I am compelled by the Spirit to go in there, Jerusalem, and declare the good. You know, I just thought of this as I was kind of, the good news of the Spirit speaking to Paul, saying, go, 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 go. Now listen to me. How many of you know when you're in the battle, it can be real challenging, but God has the ability to turn everything around for you? Paul is saying, I'm going into Jerusalem, but it may be the death of me. I may end up in prison. I may get my head cut off. Acts chapter 24 says, as he stood in front of Felix, the governor, the anointing was so strong that Felix trembled. Come on, somebody. Man, I I think sometimes I'm going into that dark pit. I'm going to that place of adversity. God has the ability to turn things around for your benefit and for his glory. So he's compelled by the spirit, not by his emotions. Number two, God's character leads us through certain uncertainty. I love that, man. How many of you know, come on now, how many of you know that there is one thing that is for sure in the battle, there is nothing that is for sure? (laughs) There's one thing that is certain, there's nothing that is certain, anything can transpire. That's why I need to be compelled by God's Spirit, because I don't know what's around the corner. Look at verse 24 here, it says, 22, rather, it says, not knowing what will happen. Come on, let's be honest believers here this morning. How many times have you and I been in the middle of the battle, we've been in the middle of the fight, and we find ourselves in that position where we want to throw up our hands and say, I have no idea what's going to happen next. And when it happens, I don't know how I'm getting through it, I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I'm not led by my emotions or my feelings, I'm led by God's Spirit, so everything is going to be okay. But we find ourselves in that that certain uncertainty, and God takes us through it. Now, I told you two weeks ago, that's why I need a spiritual vision for a spiritual battle. I'm not fighting this thing in the flesh. I don't fight against flesh and blood. I fight against principalities and powers of the air and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. I don't fight this thing in the natural, so I don't need a natural vision. I need a spiritual vision for spiritual battles. Come on and say, yeah. Second Chronicles chapter 20, the scripture I gave you two weeks ago, Pastor Jamie talked about it, or was it you or somebody talked about it? Maybe it was Pastor Hector. Did you talk about second Chronicles 20? Okay. Maybe I dreamed, I don't know. It's a good word. Yeah. Come on, talk to me. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I know if no one else said it, I said it two weeks ago. (laughs) The nation of Israel is going to war, man, and they are outnumbered three to one, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir. And so they are not sure what to do next, and Jehoshaphat calls the nation to a fast and to a prayer meeting. And they come together and pray, and a man by the name of Jehaziel stands up in the midst of the congregation and says, ooh, the battle is not yours, the battle's God's. But then he goes on and he says, here's what you got to do. You're going to go into the valley, and Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir are going to be against you. You're going into the valley and fight. Here's what you got to do. Put 
the choir out front. Now, if that's not spiritual vision, I don't know what is. Put the choir out front, not the tanks, the sopranos. Come on now. But when they go down into the valley, what takes place? Come on. They never had to raise a weapon. The battle had already been fought. Why? Because God will take care of your certain uncertainty and give you direction as to how you need to fight the battle. Come on. And then number three, God gives, God's character rather gives uncommon confidence. That could be my favorite one. What about you? Because I'm, I'm not talking about the kind of confidence that, yeah, we're, we're, I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 really, I'm really hoping to make it. I'm not talking about that kind of confidence. I'm talking about uncommon confidence. Paul, you're going into Jerusalem, and you may end up in prison. Yeah, everything's going to be all right. Paul, you're going into Jerusalem, and Felix may cut off your head. Yeah, everything's going to be all right. Paul, you're going into a place where you're going to face one hardship after another. Yeah, everything's going to be all right. Uncommon confidence. You know what I love about you guys? Because I've been watching you now. There's a theme in our house that seems to be going on. And one of the reasons for this word that I've shared with you a couple of times now, there seems to be a theme in our house of where many, many, many of you are fighting ferocious battles. And so I just kind of stand back and watch. I just kind of stand back and talk to you, encourage you, but watch. And what I see in you is not the kind of confidence that says, yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to make it. Yeah, it's, I'm hoping it's going to be all right. No, I see something ferocious in you. Come on, somebody. I see something mighty in you. I see something in you that says, I'm not going to just kind of slide by, but I'm going to conquer this thing. May not feel like it today. May not feel like it today. It's tough. I'm weary. It's challenging. But joy comes in the morning. Mm. Joy comes in the morning. That's the kind of uncommon confidence I see. So here's what we've got to understand about character. Listen, one of the greatest, get the principle down, write it down. One of the greatest ways for God to show you he is in control is to put you in situations you can't control. One of the greatest ways to show that he is a sovereign God, he is in control, but he is in charge. Mm. He's not just in control, he is in charge. And so one of the greatest ways to show you that he is in charge and in control is to put you and I in situations we can't control. And then he comes through. Stop right now and give Jesus an ovation. Come on. Come on. All right. Number two, hope, character of God. Hope starts with God's character. Number two, write it down. Hope refuses to quit. I got hope, but I'm going through through the sufferings, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to persevere. Hope refuses to throw in the towel. Hope refuses to quit. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Suffering produces perseverance. What are 
the benefits, or what is, let me say it that way, the benefit of perseverance in your life and my life. Look at James chapter 1. Here we go. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, look at what perseverance does. I love this. Let perseverance, let perseverance, let perseverance. Sometimes we don't want to let perseverance. We kind of want, kind of want to sit back and uh, let perseverance have its perfect work. Here's why. So that you may be mature and complete. Look at the last phrase. Not lacking anything. Yeah, come on. I just had a scripture try to pop in my mind, and I don't remember it for anything in the world. But it was going to change your life. <laughs> It'll come to me. Let's keep, just keep going. What's driving me crazy now? Didn't drive you nuts? Probably really getting on y'all's nerves, too. Anyway, it'll come to me. Okay, let's look at it this way. Come on with PR. Hope doesn't quit, right? But how many times have we found ourselves wanting to quit? You didn't. You didn't give up. You didn't throw in the towel. You didn't cash it in, but you felt like you wanted to. And then we fight that internal battle. Hope doesn't quit but I kind of want to quit. Hope doesn't quit, but I kind of want to give up. I'm tired. I'm weary. Life is just beating the dog out of me, man. I kind of want to quit, but hope doesn't quit. How do we fix that? Look at Joshua. Joshua chapter 6. Let me give you the context of Joshua chapter 6. The nation of Israel literally is just about to step in to their reward. It's called the promised land. They're literally on the threshold. They're on the doorstep of their reward. They've been battling for years and years and years, trying to get to that place called Canaan. And they're almost there. But standing in front of them is a big walled city called Jericho, inhabited by the nastiest tribe that's ever come against the nation of Israel, the Canaanites. And so as they're standing there, they're thinking, wow, God, here we are. We've been battling in the wilderness for 40 years. We're so close to Canaan, we can taste it. We're ready to go into our reward. But here, standing right in front of us, is this big battle called the Battle of Jericho. You know what we, well, come on now. You know what we might do? Why don't we just go back to Egypt? What's it called? Quit. Why don't we just go back to Egypt? So we got to get through that. Why? Because we know hope doesn't quit. So let's look at what takes place here. Because the battle, look guys, the battle with Israel at this point is not, at this point is not a physical battle. It's a mental and a spiritual battle. They're so close to stepping in, but the obstacle's right in front of them. It's not a physical battle yet. It's a mental battle and a spiritual battle. So let's look at how they handle it here and what could cause us to have feelings of quit. Number one, I'm sorry, verse one. Joshua chapter six, verse one. Now the gates of Jericho 
were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in, or went out rather, sorry, and no one came in. Then the Lord, this is the Lord speaking to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. You have? Really? What I'm looking at is a big wall. What I'm looking at is a nasty tribe. And you're telling me you've given me Jericho? Keep that in your mind because we're talking about why we quit. Okay, here we go. Verse 3. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram horns in the front of the ark and on the seventh day march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, and everyone straight in. Why is it that we find ourselves, again, not necessarily quitting, but having that feeling of wanting to quit? Number one, write it down. Here we go. Our perspective is limited. Our perspective is limited. What's taking place? The nation of Israel literally is just about to step in to their reward, the promised land. They're about to have to, to fight the Canaanites. And God is saying, I have given you the city, but all the evidence is to the contrary. The evidence is all I'm seeing, God, as I stand there, all I see, all I see is a big walled city that's inhabited by the enemy. All I see is a big walled city inhabited by the enemy. But what does God see? God sees this. I've already given you this victory. Mm, you missed a good place to shout. What I see is a wall. What I see is a battle. What God sees is victory. Come on. What God sees is conquering. What God sees is you going through. What God sees is you taking everything that is rightfully your reward. So understand something, guys. I, you got to get write this principle down. My faith, my hope, and my destiny will only go as far as my awareness of God's goodness. My faith, my hope, my destiny is only going to go as far as the good God that I see. See, if all I see is a walled city, I'm overlooking the good God that's going to make provision for me. If all I see is a battle, I'm overlooking the good God that's going to provide for me. But when I don't necessarily see in the natural, and I look at that big walled city, but rather over that, I see a good God that always provides, my perspective gets back in proper place. My perspective gets back in the right, right place because I'm not look. Come on now, I'm not looking at the obstacle. I'm looking at a good God. Amen. Not looking at the obstacle. Not looking at sickness. Not looking at disease. Not looking at hurt. Not looking at rejection. Not looking at pain. Not looking at getting conquered. I'm looking at being the conqueror. Amen. Why do we quit? My write it down. First of all, my perspective is limited. Second of all, my progress isn't obvious. My progress isn't obvious. And that's when that lie of the enemy, of the wearing down of the saints, 
really gets big. The wearing down of the saints. How much longer am I going to have to do this? My progress. Hey, hey, you want to know why that's a challenge for you and I? Because we are result-oriented people. We want to get to the results. Why do you think you have fast-forward on your remote control? We want to get to the results. How many times have you flipped to the back of the book to read the last chapter? How many times have you heard about a, a game? Hey, I, I heard Florida played Alabama. Who won? Roll Tide. Who won? Florida. <laughs> we don't want to know a lot of the details of the game. I mean, we might to a degree, but what we want to know is who won. Why? We are result-oriented people. And that's why it's a challenge for us. And, and being that way, our progress gets challenged when we don't see those results. Look at Joshua chapter 6, verse 10. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then... I want you to shout. Look at this. Undoubtedly, the generals of Israel are saying, come on, Joshua. We are the nation of Israel. We are the armies of Israel. We can go in and wipe these guys out just like that. Simplify. Oorah. Let's get this done. We can get in there and take care of business, and you've got us going on an afternoon stroll. <laughs> Progress isn't obvious. Let's keep reading. Here we go. Verse 11. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. And then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. Look at this last phrase. And they did this for six days over and over and over again, and they're just chomping at the bit. They can see their reward just around the corner, and God's got them walking around the city. The progress isn't obvious. So it'd be real easy to say, come on, God, let us get in there and get this thing done. But here's the deal. They can't, because Joshua speaks, and this is the word of the Lord. Do not, do not, do not. Here's what you got to do. You got to obey God. And so it's kind of out of their control. Who's doing the driving? Who's doing the driving? Now, if y'all missed Wednesday night, you missed a blessing, Mr. L. Clark. You need to be here this Wednesday. He's doing the driving. See, here's the deal, Mr. L. I don't always have the ability to control, but I always have the ability to surrender to God. I don't always have the ability to control. Nation of Israel, they, they could get in there and they could. They could wipe them out but they're having to surrender to the plan of God and God's direction. They could have gone in there and taken care of business. Let's get this done. I don't always have the ability to control, but I always have the ability to surrender to God. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of a lady named Frances Chadwick? If you haven't, it's okay. I'm going to tell you about her. Frances Chadwick is a lady that was a swimmer. And a very good swimmer, too, by the way. And she got this crazy idea 
of swimming from the California coast to Catalina Island. Now, this is a long way. This is about 25 miles. So she gets this crazy idea. She's going to swim from Catalina, I'm sorry, from California to Catalina. So she makes all the preparations. She gets everything together. She, got, she has her team in place. And the day comes. She gets in that cold Pacific water, and she starts swimming to Catalina. She's doing really good, too. And then all of a sudden, the fog starts rolling in. And then all of a sudden, that cold Pacific Ocean starts causing her to cramp up. And her body gets really, really tired because she's went swimming and swimming and swimming. And she's getting really, really tired. And finally, she quits. She gets in the boat with her team only to find out she's less than a half a mile away from her destination. Why'd she quit? Same reason you and I quit. Or, or, or want to quit. The fog of life rolls in. That cold winter wind of a cold spiritual climate starts blowing down the back of our neck. And we've been doing this, as I said a minute ago, for a long, long time. And weariness is starting to take over. Same reasons. Same reasons. Now let me give you, I don't want to end there. How many of you are kind of like Pastor Ron? You don't like ending on a negative. Come on, somebody. Let me give you the good news. Frances Chagwick got her act together, did it again, and swam from California to Catalina. Didn't stop there. She became one of the few people in history to swim the English Channel. It's the beauty of God, man. Sometimes I want to cash it in. And almost do. But God is a God of redemption. He's a, listen, listen to Pastor Ron. Don't deem something a failure when it is still in the process of becoming. You know what we do, guys? We're guilty of this. We look at somebody's finished product. We look at, and, and, and we get discouraged because we say, I could never do that. I could never be that. I could never have that. And all we're seeing is somebody's finished product. We're overlooking the years and the years and the years of pain and turmoil and labor and tears. All we're seeing is the finished product. Don't deem something a failure when God's still creating something beautiful in you. Mm. Hope doesn't quit. Hope doesn't quit. Number three, hope develops character. Romans chapter five, verse four. Perseverance leads to character and character hope. Look at the hope cycle one more time. Look at this diagram. I've got this, I've got this foundation of hope in my life, but I'm going through this adversity and I just don't know when it's going to end, if it's ever going to end, how it's going to end, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to keep on trucking, baby, and God's going to develop character in me. Integrity, fortitude, tenacity. I'm going to keep on fighting, and hope is going to come alive again. Hope is going to come alive again. Now, how? I told you, I gave you the good news. This cycle is going to go round and round and round and round. 
How do we keep the cycle moving in our lives? It's called obedience. I'm gonna obey God. Write the principle down, here we go. It is in the process of obedience that character is formed. My character gets formed because I obey God. I gave you a scripture at the beginning a couple of weeks ago. Galatians chapter five, stand fast therefore in the liberty where Christ has made you free and be not entangled again. Be not entangled again. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I love how that phrase, stand fast, reads in the Greek New Testament. Listen to this, it says, grounded in unbending character. I'm grounded because my character is not gonna be shaken. I'm grounded because my character is not gonna be beat on. I'm grounded because you, you, you can kinda, devil, you can kinda mess with my thoughts a little bit, but you're not gonna steal my convictions. Come on, somebody. You're not going to steal my convictions. I know what I'm going to hold on to. But it's that process of obedience. Now here's the challenging thing. It is only when my heart is stirred that I find out what's really in there. It's only when my heart is stirred. The pastor always talks about being squeezed. What comes out when you get squeezed? It's only when my heart is stirred that I find out what's really in there. But that means I've got to continue to walk that cycle of obedience. Do what I'm supposed to do. Don't look for the, don't, 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 don't look for the shortcut. When I think I probably have told you this, but it just jumped into my mind. The nation of Israel, goes from Egypt to Canaan. It took them 40 years. It's not supposed to, it's an 11 day journey. Exodus chapter 13 says, tells us why it turned into a 48, 40 year journey. You wanna know why? Exodus 13 says, I took them the long way so that they would learn how to war and obey me. Don't look for the shortcut. Sometimes we gotta go the long way. Hey, let me ask you a question. I'm, I'm wrapping up, I'm done. Almost. Have you ever found your, this is pretty typical in Gainesville too. Have you ever found yourself going through a construction site on the road? Pretty typical in Gainesville, isn't it? And I pull up to it and they're doing road construction and <laughs> inevitably I get behind uh, 18-wheeler with a big truck in front of me. Am I the only person that that drives absolutely crazy? No. I'm stuck there in traffic and the only thing I can see is the, big, the, the back end of a big truck. Can't see anything, it drives me nuts. Sitting there in traffic and I start thinking, what are they doing? What are they doing here? I mean, we've been traveling this road for a long time and everything seems okay. What are they doing? And here I am, I'm stuck in traffic, I'm, I'm, I'm having to stop. Then they detour me around. Listen to the words I'm using. They detour me around and cause me to go a different route. And I do this day in and day out. Day in and day out. Every day I come up, I'm probably behind the same stinking truck every day. I'm detoured, I'm having to wait, sit in traffic wondering, what are they doing? But you know what I do? 
I, I obey the traffic laws. Got stopped by a police officer a while back. Ran a stop sign. Police officer pulls me over and says, hey, uh, is Josh in here, our, our ASO guy? I hope he's not. <laughs> Got pulled over. ASO said, uh, did you not see that stop sign? I said, no, it was you I didn't see. But I, I obey the stop sign, and I do it day in and day out. But what do I do? I obey. And then finally, finally the day comes. The job's done. The construction is clear. And I breeze right through where that construction had been. How many of you know God does the same thing in your life day in and day out? He's building something great in you. And sometimes you got to take a detour. Sometimes you got to slow the process down. And you got to sit there and wait a little bit. But you know what you do? You constantly obey those wonderful things we call the verses of God's Word and the Word that's written on your heart. And then before you know it, all of a sudden, that construction is over and you're breezing right through God, the place God wants to take you. Give Jesus an ovation of praise. Come on. Took some time to get there, but the building and the construction is done and he's building, as I told you at the very beginning of this word, he's building something beautiful in you. Bow your heads with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for us, the people of God today. Father, I, I, I thank you, Lord, that when we find ourselves having to, to maneuver the cold waters of life, that you continue to strengthen and enable us to keep moving ahead. I, I thank you so much today, Lord, that hope doesn't quit. Sometimes, if we're honest, God, we feel that way, but you give us the ability to persevere. But Lord, there, there are times we find ourselves in those moments, just a moment, a moment, where that hope well seems very empty and that's when we need your divine touch to encourage to build us up to let us know that we don't and will not quit we don't have to and will not quit and you will continue to build character integrity fortitude tenacity you'll build those things in our lives and we give you thanks. Nobody's looking around just for a second. As I said a minute ago, hope doesn't quit, but sometimes we feel like quitting. We haven't, but we feel like it. And I wanna pray over you for just a moment this morning. If you're here in the auditorium this morning or you're watching online and you'd say, Pastor Ron, I'm, I'm not giving up, but I am tired, I'm weary. My hope well seems dry. And I just need this body to stand with me and believe with me that I'm not gonna throw in that towel and I am going to make it that one more step up that long hill going 
to my reward. And if it means I've got to fight that battle again, I'll fight that battle again. But would you and this congregation please pray for me? I need that extra strength. My hope well feels empty. Pray for me today. Put your hand up right where you are. Yes, 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 yes. All over the room. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, thank you so much for being honest. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over these today that have said, I need that extra, that extra wind of the gospel of God to come underneath my spiritual sails. I, I need that extra spiritual oomph that will give me up that, get me up that hill one more time. I'm not going to cash it in is the cry of their heart today, Lord. I'm not going to give up is the cry of their soul. But Father, they're, they're depending on you they're depending on you to compel them by your spirit, to give peace in certain uncertainty, to bring about confidence, uncommon confidence that defies the natural surroundings they're walking through. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you will show them that even though progress seems blurry, spiritual vision clears it up. Spiritual vision clears it up, and they're able to see their destination. They're able to see their reward. They're able to go over that threshold and receive what is rightfully theirs. Build confidence, uncommon confidence in them today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, we stand together. We stand together. Come on, say it out loud. We stand together. We're fighting this battle together. Come on, say it out loud. We stand together. We speak encouragement over each other right now in Jesus' name and I thank you for it. Come on, give the Lord an ovation of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.